The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Podcast, a podcast focusing on anthology horror. Starting with Tales from the Crypt. I'm your least favorite camp counselor, Tish Delano. And I'm your other camp counselor, Lauren Jewell. Hey, Tish. Hey, Lauren. It's fucking hot outside. Holy hell, it is hot. We are in the middle of a heat wave here in Michigan, as I believe a lot of the country is right now. It's way too hot. It's just unpleasant. It is. I don't understand those people that are so pro-summer. I know. There's people out there jogging right now. Yes, and jogging. enjoying it. Yes. it. The air feels like warm hummus. What makes you think, like, I should run and try to inhale that warm, hummusy air into my lungs? Masochists, I tell you. Straight up masochists. I agree. Well, before we keep going off topic, my apologies, campers. Are you ready to creep through the crypt with me? I am ready to creep. All right. I have a creeperosity for you. All right. And I am very proud to say that it is slightly less rabbit holy than usual. So the oldest casino in the world is the Casino de Venezia in Venice, Italy. It opened in 1638 and mm-hmm. started out as a theater with a gambling wing, but eventually became a full-on casino. It's still functioning today. Wow. So if we leave now, they open <laughs> at midnight Eastern Standard Time on <laughs> Sunday. It's a little bit of a road trip. Also potentially involves an airplane or a <laughs> boat. Uh huh. Also, I don't have a passport. Yeah, I don't have a passport. Yeah, so we're either. gonna have to be really sneaky about this. Yeah. And <laughs> according to a recent Google reviewer, the staff is super friendly, and they'll even teach you how to play if it's your first time. Aww. Right. That's precious. I mean, I realize they're probably doing it because they want your money, but they want to <laughs> at least win it fair and square, which I think is just delightful. Have you ever been to the casino? I've been to the one in Mount... Pleasant? Yeah, Mount Pleasant. I think that's Soaring Eagle. I believe so. Yeah, it Uh, wasn't bad. When I was 19, my dad took me to the casino over in Sarnia. Where is that? The the Lambton Sarnia area over in Ontario. Oh, we're going to Canada. Yeah, Canada. I didn't win anything. I basically wasted all of my money on the slots. Oh, no. Didn't win anything. I left flat broke. Thank God he gave me all the money to use. (laughs) That makes it okay. If it's somebody else's money, it's cool. It's cool. Spending daddy's money. Oops. Oh, darn. Yeah. And that's when I discovered I'm not a fan of gambling because turns out I'm not very good at it. I had one game that I did not want to get off. And I think I was being one of those people that were like hovering. And Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that. That. But in my defense, it was a haunted house themed <gasps> game, and it was the only thing that captured my interest. Yes. So when the little old lady finally fucked off, <laughs> I definitely jumped on there. Hell yeah. I think I got like $72. Woo! Get out of here, old lady. Yeah. Give me that money. 
I am not advocating for hustling little old ladies. <laughs> no, they'll hustle machines. you with their cuteness. This is Season 2, Episode 3, Cutting Cards. And this is your synopsis. So this episode of Tales from the Crypt is based off of the 32nd issue of the Tales from the Crypt comic. And Reno is a cowboy who got off on the wrong side of the horse. And Sam is a businessman who means business. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. What do they have in common? Well, they're two professional gamblers and they're giving each other the finger. Hey. <laughs> Shenanigans ensue and everybody gets what they deserve. All right, so this episode opens up on the Crypt Keeper once again playing dress-up. Today, he's dressed up like a gambling man, like a poker dealer. He's got his little vintage green visor on, looking precious as ever. He is a precious little bean. He is. Fun fact, do you know why poker dealers used to wear visors? Is it something to do with the reflection? Yeah, so it's to lessen eye strain from harsh overhead lighting, particularly in the olden days from candlelight or the original electric lights. The constant glare from the bright lights illuminating the table can be harsh on the eyes at times. And being a poker dealer requires intensive concentration and attention to detail. So thank you to PokerFortress.com. That is the one and only time I will visit a poker website. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was trying to look up some other stuff about poker earlier, and my phone kept trying to get me to go to, like, online gambling things, and I was like, no, no, no. we're not doing this. I'm trying to do research. Have you ever played poker? No, because I can't, fu- I don't have a fucking poker face. Are you kidding me? I, I yeah. can't lie to people. I, I don't have a poker face. I've only played poker once. I was terrible at it. I don't understand card games outside of, like, Go Fish. Um, play Uno. If you yes. want to play Uno one day, I got you, girl. Yeah, yeah, I can play Uno. But I will say, it was strip poker. Oh, and, uh, tell the- me more. The gentleman I was playing with definitely was excited about the fact that I had no idea how to play poker and did not seem to understand the rules. Oh. And that's where that story ends. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to a beautifully lit wet street. Did you notice, like, how just lovely the street looked? I want to go there. I know. It was so beautifully, like, it was, like, blue and purple. I'm sure it's from all the... Pollution? uh, Yeah, and neon (laughs) lights. But it looked very pretty. And we see what looks to be a cowboy in a convertible pull (laughs) off of a busy street. I just... I can't. There's something about the cowboy look I cannot take seriously. Oh, I know. Yeah, I, I've had a very hard time <laughs> taking uh, taking this man seriously. Mm-hmm. So when he's getting out, I what I really liked about this episode is that it's not quite Vegas. It's mm-hmm. not big enough. It's not busy enough. But it's definitely a Vegas-like area. So I'm curious how many different locations they were kind of basing it off of. I mean, I mean, it could be Reno, Nevada. I know there's a lot of, you know, gambling joints there. And he specifically, they reference Vegas a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, being the big city. I have never been to Vegas, nor have I ever been to Nevada. So I just know that basically in Nevada, there's like slot machines everywhere. (laughs) So I have have been to Vegas. I went to the Burlesque Hall of Fame weekender a couple of years ago. It's very bright. It is very busy in some areas. And I hated it. 
<laughs> but I still want to go back and I want to take you with me because I really, really want to go to the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum <laughs> because fucking bagel bites. Right. And if you know, you know. You know, you know. Yes. All right. Focusing. I'm yes, focused. Focusing. I promise. As he is walking into the casino, you get a real nice close up shot of his high heeled cowboy boots. How high would you say those heels were? I feel like. He's got a little bit of a Napoleon complex. So they were like, what, two, three inches? That was my guess, two to three inches, because that was a significant heel on Mm. those cowboy boots. And the camera pans up and we see our cowboy. And he looks like the Marlboro Man. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. The other thing I liked is, here's my question. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think that the cowboy aesthetic is who he is as a person or mm-hmm. because then we find out that the casino he walked into is Old West, timey-wimey themed. Do you think he dressed for the part? Do you think he just loves a good theme? I mean, I do. So I, I'm I mean, going to put this onto him. Right. Considering that everyone like seemed to recognize him immediately, I'm assuming that the whole cowboy aesthetic is like just his thing. Maybe. You know, he likes to look like the old, the old Marlboro man. Yeah. Complete with deadly cigarette in his mouth. Uh-huh. So a waitress comes up and she recognizes him. She says, oh, hi there, Reno Crevice. And it's like he's welcomed home. That is my favorite name in the series so far. Reno oh. Crevice? Yes. Okay. I, I just like, it just makes me so happy because it's the most ridiculous name in the world. My name's Reno Crevice. Like, <laughs> like w- what? Like, okay, so you're the name of a gambling town in Nevada and Crevice, as in like the crevice in between your couch cushions? Like, what? Ooh, okay, okay. Uh-huh. So what if that's his stage name and the yeah. Reno does represent Reno, Nevada uh-huh. and the crevice, like the crevice in the, the couch, uh-huh. because you always find treasure there. <gasps> I know ex- crevice. Yes. I, I accept this fan theory. Ooh. Let's make this canon. We're just right. accepting this is canon. <laughs> um, so good old Reno, the hostess waitress, welcomes him back because it's been a long time. He's clearly got a reputation in this establishment. He's asking the very important questions right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And apparently this old time casino has a secret back area. And she says, well, there's somebody back there, but you know him. The gentleman's name is Sam Forney. And apparently they know each other. And this is not a happy reunion. No, he reveals he's been in Vegas for a while, but he's back and he's ready to reclaim his territory. So she gives him something. It looks like a chip. I don't know if that's a common thing, like, because she says, here, a free drink. And it looks like a poker chip. But again, I've so. never been, I've never been to, va- like, a real, real casino. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what they do for you. I yeah. think I got a chip when I was there, but I think I tried to keep it uh-huh. for, you know, souvenir purposes. Yeah. But speaking of reunions, mm-hmm. so he goes to the bartender and it's our favorite bartender-doctor combo man. Yes, it's the final appearance of Roy Brocksmith. In the role of the bartender. This is his third and final appearance in Tales from the Crypt. So Reno orders a whiskey shooter and the bartender comments that Reno hasn't 
been around for a while. Kind of seems like Reno's a big deal in these parts. Mm-hmm. These here hoop nannies. Yes. And the bartender, he's all about spilling the tea. Oh, he is a big ass gossip. Yes. I'm here for it. So he lets Reno know that it, over the last year, Sam Forney has become the one to watch. But oh, Reno ain't scared. Hell no. He's played Sam lots of times in Vegas. Yes. And apparently they both lost to each other, but mm-hmm. one with each other. But Reno's not going to own up to that. No. That's not who he is as a person. No. Besides, he claims that Sam is just a two-bit hustler. I did look it up because I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what two-bit hustler means. I was trying to find the origin of like two-bit hustler. I'm assuming like two bits as in m- money. money. Bits. <laughs> yep. But a two-bit hustler is just a swind- swindler or a crooked businessman. I was like, well, I already knew that Urban Dictionary. <laughs> I have another theory on what it means. Yeah. It's more than one bit, but it's less than three bits. That is definitely like a one-bit hustler, pshaw. A three-bit hustler, too much. Whoa, whoa, too much. Two-bit hustler, just right. (laughs) Okay, Goldilocks. So we're talking to the bartender, and he spills some more tea. A little rumor he's heard about Reno. He heard that Reno won 50k off of a South American dictator from just one poker game. It is very clear that the bartender is a big old Reno fangirl. Oh, yes. And I'm just curious, if he's such a big deal, why did he leave Vegas and come back to this little hole-in-the-wall casino? Curiouser and curiouser. Interesting. Also, I did want to point out that just like in romantic movies, Reno spotted Sam from across the room. Oh, oh, don't worry. (laughs) Don't you worry, ma'am. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. So Reno goes to the back room where that businessman is sitting all by himself, who we now know is Sam. And I really like that he's playing a card game by himself. And I don't really think you can gamble against yourself. So I'm pretty sure he's playing solitaire. Yeah, I didn't even see a dealer at that quote-unquote special table in the back. He was just chilling. You know, it's the VIP area. Right. There's a a bottle of champagne somewhere in there we can't see. Ooh, high roller. Mm-hmm. So Reno tries to flex on Sam, claiming like, you know, I used to have a regular game here at this table, and he dropped a bunch of names that I'm assuming are supposed to mean something, mm-hmm. but I, they meant nothing to me, and I couldn't catch them all. <laughs> Sam doesn't give a damn. No, nope, But nope. can you feel the tension in the room? Oh, so much tension. I, so much tension. I just want them to make out. S- yep. Yeah, so much like testosterone and like flexing because Sam is like, oh, those guys? Yeah, I know those guys. They can't handle my gambling skills. I'm going to be very honest with you, Camp Mm -hmm. Counselor Tish. Yes, Camp Counselor Lauren. Most of my notes for this episode says, Reno is shit-talking to Sam, and (laughs) Sam is shit-talking to Reno, because that's the bulk of the episode. It really, that was my original first run of notes, (laughs) and I had to, like, fill in. I I did manage to grab some good quotes and at least pull some bits of the story out of them, but it's just 20 minutes of Mm shit-talking and flexing and some weird, like eroticism like you know yeah it becomes very clear (laughs) that reno and sam have this long-running like dick measuring contest going on yep sam thinks he's the best reno disagrees reno says you'd better see a doctor because your brain has gone to shit (laughs) 
one point to Reno for that sick burn. Oh, sick, sick burn indeed. Yep. So did you catch all of the things they're saying they've done to one another? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So there's like $10,000 missing between the two of them, some fancy ass car. The wife ran away with a piano man. Is this a country song? Maybe. Is this a setup <laughs> for a country song? Yeah. Also, point to Sam for the ice cold burn of rubbing it in Reno's face that his wife left him for the piano player. I would also leave him for the piano player because a piano player at least is going to pay a little bit more attention. You know, he's got to sing a song about the piano man. Exactly. And now we got Billy Joel. Maybe she ran away with Billy Joel. Was Reno married to Christy Brinkley? We're going to say he was. It's canon. It's canon. <laughs> we've just we've decreed it. It's this canon. Ep- this episode is just going to be straight up canon. Yep. For us. So I give Sam another point for reading Reno for filth for dressing like a cowboy. I was like, <laughs> yes, Sam. Yes, yes. So if you're keeping score at home, that's Reno one and Sam two. Damn. Currently, yes. And Sam spills more tea. Reno went bust in Vegas and that's why he came back. Oh, snap. That makes sense. Why he's back yes. all of a sudden yes. to this tiny ass hole in the wall. Yep. Sam is the king of petty, and I'm here for it. <laughs> and much like most of the most of the dudes I know when they get called out on something, Reno totally denies it. But then he sits down and re- reveals that he only has one hundred dollars on him. <laughs> and that's okay because Sam has an even better idea. The loser has to get the fuck out of town. Yes. Sam, I have a quote here, and he says, but there is one thing that I want, and I want it real bad. And I was really sad that it wasn't followed up with your dick. (laughs) Instead, he says, I want you out of my life for good. And I'm going to give another point to Sam, because I'm stealing (laughs) that. I just want to get real up close to someone, like erotically close, and say, there's one thing that I want, and I want it real bad. I want you out of my life for good. Now go fuck off. Okay, well, (laughs) in that case, this is one of the lines that I also want to steal from yes. Reno. Okay. This is a Reno quote. How about I just leap over this table and wipe that smile off your face? Because I want to be that badass one day. Right. Standing there in your, your three-inch heeled cowboy boots looking <laughs> like the Marlboro Man. Which will be rhinestoned BT-dubs. Yes. Oh, totally. Totally. That's on brand. Yes. So they start playing this game with dice, and I don't know if it has a name. Yeah, I have that note here that Reno doesn't want to play cards. He wants to roll the dice, and then he just busts out two dice. And I'm like, what What are they playing? Like, my notes here say craps? Maybe? Yahtzee? <laughs> I hope it's Yahtzee. At least I vaguely understand that one. Yes. So he, Sam immediately gets two sixes. So that's 12. AKA boxcars. Oh, is that what that is? That's what he says. He oh. says, Boxcars. And I was like, okay. So I don't think you can do much better than that. No. But Sam is having none of that. It's a tie. But not in my book. It's Reno 1, Sam 3 in my book. But Reno doesn't want to do that game again. He's already throwing a hissy fit, which just means he's poor sportsmanship. And he wants to take it up a notch and play Russian roulette. Conveniently, Sam happens to have a gun in his vehicle. Can we just, like, so Sam at first calls him nuts, and Reno claims that Sam has no character. And I'm like, not sure what not wanting to pull the trigger of a loaded gun pointed at your head has to do with character, but apparently it works because yeah, then Sam volunteers like, oh, I've got a gun in my car. So they go outside, they get the gun, and because Reno wants to make sure nothing's wrong, <laughs> he's going to take the gun from Sam, load it himself, do mm-hmm. the spinny bits, 
that spin the chamber. Yeah, yeah, spin the chamber. So he's going to do that all by himself because Sam says he'll go ahead and start. Yes. And um, I'm taking a point away from Sam for not being a responsible gun owner. What do you mean? You don't keep a gun in your glove compartment. Oh, that makes sense. I don't think it was loaded, though. I think it was It was loaded. Of, oh, it was? Yeah, because Reno, when he opens the chamber of the revolver, he dumps out the bullets. Oh. So first of all, how are you going to defend yourself if it's in your glove compartment and you're driving? Mm-hmm. Two, if you get pulled over and you reach in your glove compartment, for you know your your stuff your license registration and all that fun stuff like and the gun falls out i mean granted sam's a white man so he'll probably be fine (laughs) but still and also it's actually a violation of some states concealed weapons laws Mm. so sam get your shit together and be a responsible gun owner thank you there you go and now you know (laughs) so they they have the gun out You've already said Sam's straight up offers to go first. That that sounds reasonable, rational, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally be volunteering for that. So Reno puts one bullet in the chamber, gives it the good spin, hands it off to Sam. Six chambers, one bullet, just so we're working on statistics here. Yep, so one to five, right? Five to one, yeah. Five to one. We're, this is why I'm not a gambler, everybody. <laughs> so Sam puts it to his head and click. That was really hard to watch, by the way. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I mean, I know this is a TV show, but it's still incredibly hard to, to watch that. Mm-hmm. So then it's Reno's turn, and this just fucking cracked me up. He yells at Sam for distracting him because he can't <laughs> think. Think about what, Reno? What What are you... What? I, I would like to think if you were going to think about things, maybe you wouldn't be playing Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. So Reno's getting really intense and he tries to psych Sam out. You know, Sam can always just leave town, but instead he puts the gun to his head, pulls the trigger and click three chambers left. And now it's Reno's turn. And Reno is freaking the fuck out. He's really starting to get overzealous and he's panicking a little bit. So Sam says, don't think. Just do. And Reno has this super epic, unsettling monologue. Of course you gotta think. Thinking's the fun part of it. Thinking about it. Thinking about what's gonna happen. Listen to that little wheel of forging click and turn into place when you ease back the hammer. Feeling that metal get warm against your skin. Wondering what's it gonna be like to feel your brains blown out through the side of your head. Wondering what comes after, if anything, or black. Wondering if you're going to scream. What do you think, Sam? You going to scream? Yeah, you will. Click. Two chambers left. So now we've got two chambers left. One of them has to have the bullet in it. Yeah, at uh, this point it's 50-50. Fair yes, game. Yep. So Sam is about to take what is undoubtedly his last turn. And they're interrupted by a man <laughs> in a convertible who mistakes them for valets. I just, I have a lot of questions, sir. And with the power of friendship and a gun, the men refer to each other as friends for the first time this episode and threaten to shoot them if they don't leave. Right. But you know what? He deserved that. What about seeing a man in a suit holding a gun to his head and a man that looks like a cowboy (laughs) screams, well, clearly these must be the valets. Yeah, I don't feel bad for that guy. Get out of here, man. Get out of here. And he did leave. They did get the fuck out of there real quick. Yes. So Sam shoots, and it's another blank. Click. And he starts cackling, and I don't blame him. If I was playing Russian Roulette, and it was my last turn, and it was a blank, I would also cackle yeah. like a maniac. Yeah, yeah, an empty cha- yeah, to get an empty chamber when there's only two chambers left is kind of miraculous. So one chamber left, and it is Reno's turn, and s- yep, Sam's just ecstatic. I'm, I'm going to give that a negative one point for Sam. <laughs> 
because kind of yikes. Yikes. Sam is pretty awful here. And he's like, okay, you're about to watch a guy put a gun to his head and pull the trigger. Like, maybe you could act a little less uh, excited about this. No, he just kept moving away. So he didn't get any splatter on his fancy, fancy businessman clothes. Because apparently dry cleaning is so expensive. So Reno puts the gun to his head and click. Nothing happens. One more time. There's no bullet. And Reno accuses Sam of sabotage. But Sam's like, nah, dude, you're the one that did the loading and the spinning, so... Yes, so apparently the bullet is just a dud. I didn't know that bullets could go bad. I mean, that does make sense. They, Sam mentioned something like maybe it got damp and maybe water got in there. I did not realize that gunpowder was so uh, delicate. Is it gunpowder or just bullets? Well, there, there's gunpowder in the bullets. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean... If you're a gun type of person, please let us know the answer by leaving us a review on Camp Creep Podcast iTunes page. Yay! Have you ever shot a gun? No, it's kind of on my list, though. Right? I- I'm curious about them. Right. I mean, we both did shoot the simulator guns in the simulator thing. We did a Citizens Academy where we got to uh, learn what it's like to be a police officer, a firefighter. Wasn't there another thing? That- forensics. We did forensics get to do a forensics day. That was mostly why we did it. All we wanted to do was learn how to dust for fingerprints. That and was really it. And that's how we met our friend Sierra, who is a forensic photographer. Yes, yes. Super freaking cool. So, you know, Russian roulette was a bust. Dice was a bust. So clearly they're at an impasse, and they must agree to disagree and go their separate ways and end their toxic friendship. friendship. <laughs> Frenemyship. <laughs> right? I mean, that's no. what has to happen, right? Uh, right? right? Not in a Tales from the Crypt episode. <sighs> they decide to go play a whole new game called Chop Poker. A lot like strip poker, except instead of losing clothes when you have a losing hand, you lose your hand. <laughs> At least this time, they're not totally left alone to their own devices because... There's like first aid supplies in the background. And I'm pretty sure the dealer doubles as a doctor. Yeah, I have some concerns. There were some, um, some red flags. So Reno wins the first hand of this chop poker. So naturally he just chops off one of Sam's fingers, you know, as you do. And the dealer is so chill, like doesn't (laughs) seem disturbed. This is just a normal thing that happens at this casino. Yeah. As somebody who is very much attached to her phalanges. I hate this game. I do not like this. I mean, if this were a back room in, like, Vegas in some, like, mafia-ran casino <laughs> or something, I'd be, I'd be like, buying this. But this is clearly not Vegas. Like, they, they're so hard on the emphasis of this is the opposite of Vegas. Yeah. Is this even legal? Probably not. Uh, I mean, I guess they're technically consenting to the assault. So uh, I, I don't know. If you're a legal expert out there and you've, you know, the laws pertaining to chop poker, let us know. Mm-hmm. We... we- We'll figure it out. Yeah. So, yeah, Reno wins the first time. And Reno also wins the second round. And he says to Sam that he might consider pickling his finger as an award, kind of like a serial killer has trophies. Right. Specifically to show off, quote unquote, to his friends. I would just like to state for the record, I do not believe Reno has any friends. No, I don't think either of them do. No, no. They have each other. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Like, seriously, though, like, 
after the first finger, I, first of all, I mean, I don't even get how they escalated to the point of Russian roulette, let alone finger chopping. Mm-hmm. But after losing the first finger, like, wh- why didn't you give up, Sam? Why didn't you say, cool, I'm going to leave with my nine fingers and I'm going to just pack up and leave down. Instead, you know, Sam goes down to eight. And I'm just like going, like, is is toxic masculinity and fragile ego, male egos, like really that that uh, big of a thing? That's strong of a force? Oh, my God. <laughs> Also, I noted this is the first time we actually get gore in a Tales from the Crypts episode. Oh, you are in for quite a treat in the later seasons. Yeah. It gets graphic. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I remember. But like, yeah, the season one, it was pretty, they didn't have gore. Granted, I There's don't think the budget. That's true. There's blood, but we don't really see the aftermath. This, like, But this gore is pretty intense because you actually see the chopping off of the finger and you see a hand without a finger twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty intense. So that I think, yeah, I think they're gearing us up for more gore down the road. What a what a time to be alive! Right? What a good start. So finally, I have a little, I have a punny joke here. Finally, Reno loses a quote unquote hand, <laughs> <laughs> and Sam gets to chop off one of Reno's fingers with great pleasure. And at this point, I'm like, you know what? Negative a million points for both men. Yeah, you, they're I, both clearing losers. the board. They're both losers. I am done. There are no winners in this game. I do love that Reno tries to make a deal with Sam and even offers giving him one of his fingers back so that the doctor can go ahead and like reattach it for him. But no, Sam is a petty bitch. Yep. I mean, I do give him credit. Like, mm-hmm. he is just true to himself. And that self is Petty as fuck. And an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a finger for a finger and chop poker. Right. So then we cut to, at first, what I was, I was like, where are we in a lab? Because it's this woman in like a nurse costume and she looks like she's playing with a chemistry set. Yeah. There was a lot of weird science-y stuff I have never seen in a hospital before. Yeah. I spent plenty um, of time there. It was very bizarre. And we now see what happened to <laughs> Reno and Sam. Yes. The two of them are busy playing a very serious game of checkers. However, there's, um, there's a few things missing here. Yeah, like their arms and their legs. The legs, yep. They're having to play checkers using their faces. <laughs> their faces. Do you understand what I'm saying here? They are playing checkers using their faces. I, I have some complaints. Um, why the fuck have these two not been separated? Right. Who is allowing them to right. spend any time together? I, I know. They clearly are very toxic for each other. Mm-hmm. They have a very toxic relationship. And I think it would have been best if one of them had just left town. But yep, they're still as competitive as ever, you know, while they play checkers, moving the checkers around with their chins and stuff. And oh my god, I did not catch this the first time. I Ooh. didn't catch this the second time. It was on the third listening of it that I was like, wait a minute. Is that what they said? Because they get real close. Like, oh, they were so close. I was chanting kiss, 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 kiss. They look like they're about to make out. And what they say is pass the gum. What? Pass the gum. Oh. I did not catch that. Oh my god, yes, they did kiss. Yes. So yeah, they're sharing gum at this point. And yeah, yeah. So clearly, yes, all of this that leads me to believe. Sorry, yes. Can, I, I think I need to burst your bubble. Uh-huh. I wonder, since they don't have arms or legs, now they're having bubble-blowing competitions. 
Okay, but, or, <laughs> hear me out, hear okay, me out, okay. all of this, you know, how sometimes men that, like, puff themselves up, you know, are really just, you know, suppressing things, and men that are very homophobic sometimes turn out to be, you know, actually homosexual themselves. Mm-hmm. What if all of that was because, you know, they maybe they grew up in conservative towns and maybe really religious, so they could never just be themselves, so then they fell into gambling, and then they met each other, and they had such chemistry, but they couldn't, could never acknowledge their feelings for each other. Wait, no, I'm on a roll here. They could never acknowledge their feelings for each other. So instead of, you know, just openly flirting with each other and maybe expressing that, hey man, I find you attractive. Hey man, I'm really into cowboys. Instead, they developed this rivalry, this very passionate, super uh, testosterone rage-filled rivalry because it's all just sexual tension underneath it all, which we totally picked up on several Mm -hmm, times. mm -hmm. And uh, rather than face the truth and just come out and be free and be who they are, instead, they're so determined to be like, no, I'm straight. No, I'm straighter that they end up in this horrible rivalry that ends up with them together at this hospital maybe that's why they didn't separate them maybe they've now learned to take their competitiveness and turn it into foreplay or like you know that's just how their relationship is i've seen people in hyper competitive relationships and it's just their dynamic and now they get to live happily ever after without arms or legs in the hospital for the rest of their life but they get to do it together happy ending see 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 don't suppress things guys don't suppress things people be who you are on the inside don't suppress things it turns people into jerks that was see there's a moral to this story that was my favorite ramble you've ever done and do you hear that fan fiction writers Tish just gave you a whole ass backstory. I did. You need to bring it together because neither of us have time to actually yes. write it. But if you write it, tag us in it. So exactly. I can read it. Yes. I'm telling you, it all makes sense. I just want to say on air, because I don't think I tell you enough. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I love me too. <laughs> I think I just got ditched. <laughs> Ow. Love you too, friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, so back in the crypt, we have this beautiful close-up shot of these tiny fingers sausages. I think they were actual fingers. It's entirely possible. It's on it's on brand for the Crypt Keeper also, because then I can work in this little pun. I guess you could say he was cooking up some finger food. Oh. Hey yo! I will say the Crypt Keeper in the intro and the end I didn't write any down, but his pun game was just fire this episode. I was like, he was just every sentence was a pun and I was like, okay, I, I dig this. Also, campers, just on a serious note here, you know, in a little after school special style, if you or someone you know is struggling with a gambling addiction (laughs) to the point where you're going to lose your car, your house, your fingers, there's the National Problem Gambling Helpline Network helpline. Copied and pasted that funky, but you know what I mean. (laughs) You can call it at 1-800-522-4700 or visit ncpgambling.org. Help is available 24-7 and 100% confidential. We will be sure to add the links to all of that and the information in the episode description. And now you know, and knowing is half the battle. 25% red lasers and 25% blue. Woo! Hey, Virginia. Hey, Dad. 
We are here on this episode of Camp Creep, where they talk about horror movies. Do you know horror movies? Of course. Do you know what anthologies are? Huh? Anthologies are, if you're listening to Camp Creep, you know, but it's like stories for different episodes. Like, they're doing Tales from the Crypt, which every half hour is a new episode. And it was on HBO, so back in my day, it was like, ooh, that means swearing and boobs, baby. You're a kid you don't understand. You can, like, throw a rock and hit porn. <laughs> what the hell? It's true, but we're not here to talk about that. We'll talk about porn on our off time. Ew. <laughs> that was gross, considering I'm the dad. <laughs> I'm the dog. And we're here to talk about... Movies. Yeah, but we talk about movies on our show. TV and a movie. Oh, God, I thought you were going to mess that up. Anyway, here at TV and a movie, we take turns showing the other a movie they need to have in their lives. What movies have we done so far? The Matrix. Dirty Dancing. Don't Breathe. Yeah, that's right. We did scary movies like Mandy, the scariest movie of them all. Virginia loved it. Shut up. But anyway, we're here to tell you that not only do we analyze a movie in depth, what else do we have? We have lots of segments and jingles. We have fun facts. Ooh, wait, they do fun facts. Well, anyway, we have a jingle, so we win. Sorry. We have movie snacks. Yum, yum, yum. Best and worst. Love it, hate it. And final ratings. We rate the movie, and then you'll agree or disagree with us. Please agree with us, though. But you have free will, so you do what you need to do. As far as social media goes, we're at TV and a Movie on... Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also find us on... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. All the prime podcast release and distribution software. You cannot go wrong. Well, you could go wrong, but hey, give us a try. Not only do movies, we have mini episodes. We have so much fun loving each other. Uh-huh. Wouldn't you agree? Sure. You should be a little more enthusiastic about it. Sure, Dad. Aw, that's the kind of love you can expect. Ugh. Anyway, check us out, and we hope you tune in to... TV and a movie! Boo. And it's time for everybody's favorite segment, or maybe just mine. Who's that ghoul? There we go. So, this episode was directed by Walter Hill, who also co-wrote the screenplay. Walter Hill previously directed the very first episode of Tales from the Crypt. Yay! And he directs a season three episode. He's also one of the producers on Tales from the Crypt. Yes, his name is all over the spreadsheet. Yes, all over the spreadsheet. But as far as his creds go, his most notable credits are he was a producer on the film Alien, which is the first in the Alien franchise. He was apparently meant to direct, but for some reason it was given to Ridley Scott. Didn't say why. Not sure what the drama there is. He also executive produced and wrote the story for Aliens, which is the second installment. And he wrote the screenplay and produced Alien 3. And fun fact, he went to Michigan State. I do like that fun fact. I have a fun fact for you. Sure. I still have yet to see any Alien movies. (laughs) Okay, so when I was three or four, I watched, I believe, the first two, which traumatized me to the point where um, for a long time, I was just terrified of Sigourney Weaver because I just... 
I just associated her with that, which made watching Ghostbusters, which I loved, really difficult. I was able to power through, but I remember every time Sigourney Weaver would come on screen, I would just get really uncomfortable. So I will be rewatching them as an adult. I think I am now mature enough to handle them. Mm-hmm. Don't don't let your three year old watch, <laughs> you know, Alien. Like I don't know, just doesn't seem like a great idea. And next we have Reno Crevice, who is played by horror icon Lance Henriksen. You may know Lance from such films as Close Encounters of the Third Kind, The Omen 2, (laughs) Piranha 2, Aliens, Alien 3, Pumpkinhead, Near Dark, Scream 3, and my absolute favorite, he was King Bowser in Super Mario Brothers movie. And if I missed one of Lance's- seriously- I have gone through a lot of IMDb pages to do Who's This Ghoul, and I've commented a lot, like, oh, wow, this person's, like, worked a lot. Lance puts all of those people to shame. This man has never stopped working, ever. Like, literally, we're talking multiple projects a year. Like, I went through and I was like, I can't, I've just started pulling just whatever I recognized out of there, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure I missed a lot because you could literally just make a whole podcast about Lance's career. (laughs) So kudos to him. I hope to have a career that's successful someday. Next, Sam Forney, who's played by Kevin Teig. So Kevin started in TV in the late 60s, transitioned into film in the 80s, and his one of his most notable roles that I noticed was he played Anthony Cooper on Lost. And if that seems familiar or a little fuzzy, because let's face it, Lost was a pretty confusing show show. There are about a thousand characters on that show. He was John Locke's dad and nemesis, the one who tricked him into getting a kidney transplant. And I am not saying apologies for spoiler alert, because Lost was a really long time ago. (laughs) And if you haven't seen it by now, then you're never gonna watch it. It's true. I refuse (laughs) to watch Lost because I was too (sighs) lost trying to make sense of it. It is. Yeah. And there's a connection to Sawyer. I can't remember. I think he swindled Sawyer's mom or something like that. I don't remember. But anyways, he was on Lost. And he was not on any after-school specials, but I did want to point out he was in a The Wonderful World of Disney special in 2002 called Nancy Drew. He played Coach Jeffries. Oh, I remember watching The Wonderful World of Disney's uh, on yeah, Sunday nights. Sunday oh, nights. My yep. favorite memories. Oh, I remember hearing the music and like, it was both delightful and always filled me a dread because I knew when I when I was watching A Wonderful World of Disney special, I always knew that my damn it, I gotta go to school tomorrow. <laughs> Not anymore. We are adults. I am an adult. Mm. Prob mostly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Next, we have Bartender, who we already said, played by the lovely Roy Brocksmith, who we passed away you. in 2001. We heart you. Pour one out for your homies. Pour one out for good old Roy. So next we have Hostess. Also, you could call her a waitress, played by Dan Carey. If you're an older sci-fi fan or a fan of older sci-fi, you may know her from the original series, V. She played Harmony Moore in both V and the little TV movie they made to wrap up V. You know what V is? I know it's the Roman numeral number for 10. <laughs> it was about alien invasion. Oh, that's cool. Uh-huh. Also, you know how I, I guess how excited I get about ABC After School Specials. She had a role in the ABC After School Special. My dad lives in a downtown hotel. She played the receptionist, and I looked it up, and the only information I could find out about that special is, a son is shocked when his parents announce that they have decided to separate. 
That's it. Yep, that's it. That's that's all the plot you're getting out of that one. <laughs> and uh, the spinoff of that show is The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> <Da-da-cha>. <laughs> and final credit goes to Driver, which was the man in the convertible that thought Reno and Sam were valet drivers. I really like that you went down a rabbit hole of the actors because there's technically only like two big characters. Yeah, but I always try to look up anybody that has like a photo. I'm like, okay, they may have been a working actor because sometimes you get some nuggets. Yeah. So this guy is actually a pretty famous stuntman. Um, Name is Alan Graff. And I could have gone through all of his credits, but I zeroed in on these two particular ones because they made me happy. Don't know what stunts he could have done there, but he was the stunt coordinator on 2011's The Muppets, and the sequel, (laughs) Muppets Most Wanted. Muppets Most Wanted is the one where Kermit has, like, the tiny mustache. Yes, there's there's the evil Kermit, um, and he breaks out of, like, a Russian prison. Yes, I did go see that in the theater. Bite me. (laughs) Fight me over it. I will die on this hill. The Muppets are amazing. I don't care how old I am. The Muppets rule. I will confirm. All right, and that was this week's segment of Who's That Ghoul? Now, the very important question. Camp Counselor Tish. Yes. Did you like this episode? Okay, so first viewing, I was ready to give it like half a severed thumb. I was not into it. And then I was like, okay, well, the end was good. And I was like, eh, maybe one. After I viewed it a second and a third time, and I started to pick up on some context... Uh, I started to like a lot more. So I'm going to say one and a half severed thumbs up. What about you? So a little bit of both. The first time I watched it, I also didn't love it. I was like, oh, it's this episode. I don't think I'm going to have a whole lot of notes. But then I also watched it for a second time and a third time. And I was like, oh, this kind of grew on me. It's pretty funny. But also because I kept imagining all the fan fiction possibilities. (laughs) I'm just glad we were on the same page of like, no, we just need these two to fuck. Yeah. And all of the problems would have been solved. Oh my god, they would still have their limbs had they just said, hey, I'm having some feelings, some desires for you, whether they be gay, bisexual, pansexual. Gotta love a pan. Right, straight, but with just a same-sex attraction to only each other, whatever it may be. Yeah, I'm really disappointed that they uh, did not explore, you know, dig a little deeper into the, you know, alphabet mafia side of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I took away that half a thumb there. I will give it one up, one down, severed thumb rating. Excellent. And that was this week's episode of Camp Creep Podcast. Come back next week for a whole other episode of Tales from the Crypt. Because, guys, we're not going to be done with season two until, like, mid-December. Yes, season two is exceptionally long, which is fine. We definitely have, like, a planned break in there. We may have a surprise somewhere in the middle. Something to shake things up a little bit. But Mm -hmm. you're going to have to stay tuned, campers, for that special camp announcement. Thank you to Steve O'Dockerson for our amazing theme music. And if you want to support the show, if you dig what we do, you can follow us to wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review us, particularly on iTunes. Please and thank you. I have one more person I also want to shout out. Because this is a podcast... 
There's no visuals. Josh Justice Photography is yes. fucking badass, and he agreed to do our photos. So if you ever go to our Instagram in particular, you can actually see what your camp counselors look like, because Josh is amazing. He is. He's a very sweet guy and a very talented photographer. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can find us online on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Camp Creep Podcast and on Twitter at Camp Creep Pod. And you can always shoot us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. And as always, campers, creep, creep it, it real. real.